0: Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there.
1: We need to have discipline. We have to learn discipline. As adults, we need to discipline ourselves, not to yell at our children often. So we're, you know, our toughest moments are when we're disciplining ourselves to discipline them in an appropriate manner.
0: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 153. Today we're talking about how to be a happier parent with KJ Delantonia. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. A mindful mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Field's Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome back, dear listener. If you're new, big, big welcome to you. I am so glad you are here. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with KJ Delantonio, and she's the author of How to Be a Happier Parent, which is a great book. And she's the former editor of the New York Times Motherload blog. And she writes about parenting for the New York Times and other. Publications and this book is fabulous. I'm going to talk to KJ about some things that are going to help us be happier as parents. Like, who doesn't want that, right? This is for moms, this is for dads, this is for people dealing with kids. So, you know, if you're finding that you're constantly irritable, you want to enjoy parenthood more, then this is really the place for you. And this is the place KJ Dell and Tony found herself in, and me too. So, you know, we talk about some of the answers to frustrating struggles like chores, discipline, screen time, and more. So I invite you to come join me at the table as I sit down with KJ and talk about, you know, we have this fun conversation about how to get through the toughest part of parenting and find yourself happier on the other side, right? So look for, talk about discipline and the idea of looking at discipline as teaching just like we did in our just two episodes ago in How to Discipline, episode number 151. We talk about why you should want your kids to screw up on your watch. <laughs> Pretty interesting. And we have, start off with a conversation about activities and sports and how they really are actually more demanding these days. And before we dive in, I just want to let you know that if you are irritated and frustrated and you want to parenting to be better, then I have an awesome resource for you right now. We are having the Mindful Parenting Free Training Week, and it is happening. It's happening right now. So you should join up, and when you do, you can get access to the private group where we have all our recordings, and we're going to be talking about why your kids don't listen to you and how your brain undermines your parenting, and we're going to talk about how to create cooperation, willing cooperation. Pretty awesome. And the Mindful Parenting course is going to be open for registration, just opens twice a year. So hop on that. You can learn more about the free training at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And if you want to join the Mindful Parenting course, which I'm telling you is pretty amazing because I just made a change where all of my alumni can join the live course whenever they want, and they can join the live coaching calls. So it's kind of like joining for life. It's really quite a steal for what you get as far as continued support year after year. So learn more. Check it out at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And now join me at the table as I talk to KJ Del Antonio about how to be a happier parent. Hey, Jay, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: As I told you, I'm loving your book, How to Be a Happier Parent. And it's a lot of fun. And you cover a lot of things in this, all the tough stuff. like A lot of them. A lot of the, Yeah, like chores, yeah. screens, siblings, discipline. And sports and activities, it was interesting because I guess like my kids aren't that into sports and activities. Because So I was thinking like, oh, like chores, that's hard. Like discipline, yeah. Like screens, this is hard. Siblings, oh, the, the sports <laughs> and activities. like. So what made you include sports and activities in there? Like, wh- oh, that's so
1: funny. <laughs> and also like somebody asked me recently, so she said, well, do you have anything about like the tough conversations we have to have? And I was like, No, that never occurred to me. So (laughs) I guess same thing. I included sports and activities because to me, in watching other parents and other families, putting a lot, putting more than a reasonable amount of time into your child's sports and activities seems to me to be a consistent route to sometimes unhappiness and sometimes just a feeling of like your life being off balance. And mm-hmm. I am somebody with four travel hockey playing kids. So I see a lot of the sports side of it, but I intentionally set out to like, I talked to parents of, you know, dance families, lots of soccer. Boy, if I think hockey's crazy, soccer seems to um see hockey and raise it a couple of crazy points. Mm-hmm. And, I talk to a lot of of music parents, and it's not so much, I mean, it makes us happy to see our kids doing things that, that make them happy, but there's a real culture around sports and activities that's not about making kids happy. It's about making people money. So, getting caught up in that sort of, yay, we're going to learn to play violin. But that means, you know, it used to mean like you took a lesson with a violin teacher. Now it's almost always Suzuki and it's in a music center and the music center wants your child to have their lesson every week. And they need to play in a group. And, you know, they need to maybe audition for this state thing and that national thing and this local thing. And, and it just
0: becomes nothing simple. You said in the book, like it really has changed. It's gamed up. Yeah, it's we changed. have totally It's, like it's different up. different from when we were kids because we kind of think, okay, it was fun. It'll be fun for my kids. But right. it's different. It's The stakes are higher these days.
1: It is different. And kids are often talked to in a different way about it. The people that lead it. I mean, if you ask them, if you said, is this meant to be fun? They'd be like, well, of course it's meant to be fun. But, you know, they don't talk to the kids as though this is a a fun activity that they're participating in. They talk as though it needs to be like the top of their, I've had somebody say to my kid, you know, well, you know, if you, you can't, you can't do hockey and music, you have to choose. And they're like, you know, 11. It's like, no, I do choose. I choose not you. That's what I choose (laughs) on behalf of my child. I choose something else. Yeah. Everybody feels like, Oh, if it's your passion, you have to put everything into it. And it's just kind of like, Have to be a passionate soccer,
0: you know? Like, yeah. -hmm. It's interesting because I get so frustrated with that because I, for me, it really hit home. I remember a really influential book for me, speaking of parenting, like, so it was "Simplicity Parenting," and I read it when my daughter was young, and I really yeah. like it made so much sense to me that like kids' brains are pretty chaotic, right, when they're pre-adolescent, and they need that free play and that unstructured play so that they can learn how to organize the world in their life, right, and then around. 10, Ten, eleven, etc., twelve plus, and then getting in it. Adolescents' kids' brains are like they need that structure because like their lives are kind of crazy, and that structure is really like helpful and grounding for them. So they always got so frustrated that you know that it's like, oh, you have to start gymnastics when you're yeah,
1: five you or soccer when you're five, or you're, you're never going to the Olympics. You know, typically, I mean, the right answer to that is, yeah, she's never going, he's never going to the Olympics, like, yeah, and yeah, so, I mean, that, yeah, so there's this push, everything starts earlier, everything, you know, if you don't start playing hockey or skiing or playing the violin by the time you're three, you're never going to amount to anything, and you just want to say, amount to what? Like, you know, I was hoping to amount to somebody who knew how
0: to play the violin. (laughs) That's, you know. I would love that. I want, like, a violin player friend who can, like, come to my house and can be like, let's whip out your fiddle. (laughs) I'm dying to have a friend in my life. (laughs) There just aren't
1: that many things left that people are expected or kids are expected to do just for fun. And there is, there's just, you can see it. It's a visible objective push to start everything earlier and do it more frequently, you know, more than just a couple times a week. And it's changing. It's taking away the kids' opportunity to find their own things. It's taking away their opportunity to have that simple time that, and as they get to be teenagers, they don't get the downtime. And the amount of stuff that that spreads out into is extraordinary. I mean, the first chapter in my book is mornings, because mornings are really... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, mornings are awful, right? I mean, they just are. Everybody has to be somewhere earlier than anybody wants to be anywhere. And, and it's typically tough. But one of the reasons mornings are tough comes back to sports and activities. Because when we fill up our schedules, as adults, as kids and as teenagers, what happens is we get home at night, and we don't feel like we're off the clock. Until like nine or 10, you know, when we finally shut our laptop as adults or finish our homework or, you know, get out of play practice on top of volleyball practice as kids. And so, you know, our brains desperately just want to Snapchat or Netflix or read or, you know, lay on the floor and bounce a ball into the air. We just and we're going to take that time. Like we're going to find it nobody lets that time go and so then you know it's eleven thirty, 30 and you got to be up at six and that's it so much for getting enough sleep so much for having a good morning and then the next day the whole thing just starts all over again mm-hmm. so that those sports and activities when they get a little out of hand they really crawl into every aspect of our family lives in a way that our parents typically just did not experience i had this great conversation with somebody who played soccer and she played all through high school, like, and then played, I, you know, I, I don't remember if she played college or not, but she played all through high school, pretty serious, like varsity soccer or something. And she called her mom and she said, I just, you know, my friend asked me to ask you, did you, did you ever go to my practices? Mm-hmm. You know, and her mom was like, you played soccer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it so I mean, that's it. Cause she rode her bike to the practice. <laughs> She went up and then I think at the
0: end, like, oh, yeah, I get it. yeah, it was, it was just like uh, no, but that's really a huge part I, of this student's
1: life. But her parents just let it be a huge part of her life, it wasn't a huge part of their lives,
0: it was her own thing, you know, That's crazy, you know, like I, that's something I. Talk to my my clients and my students about like you have permission not to watch your kids practices. That's a great time for you yeah. to go for a walk, to do your own thing. Yes. To like, well, yeah, like sure, watch a game, but why watch a practice? Let it be the the child's own thing. It sounds like you you know from reading how to be a happier parent. You know it it sounds like you're you're advocating for parents to protect. Their own time and to into yes, practice. Very much time. so.
1: I, I talked about this from the kid angle and the better for the kids angle, and it is. But it's it's so much better for us if we don't get too emotionally involved. I mean, it's, and it's better for them. They don't need to emotionally involved in their sporting careers at you know age eleven. Yeah, you don't need to watch them practice. Honestly, you don't need to go to all their games. I mean, I took so my child to a hockey tournament this weekend. They played 7 games in 3 days. I was present for all of those games, what with, you know, the whole needing to drive him and everything and but I I had knitting, I had a podcast. I mean,
0: I would not have watched 7 soccer case. I would have to be like a zen master to watch.
1: I would knitting. be a zombie by the end of that. I
0: mean, I, I I do
1: love to watch him play. He's good. He's having a great time out there. It's lovely. And I actually have grown to really enjoy the sport cuz I've spent a lot of time watching it. But I'm not just going to do that. You know, yeah. sometimes I go to Starbucks. And you know, get some work time. Sometimes I sit in the car with my laptop. Uh, You know, sometimes I watch Marie Kondo on Netflix. (laughs) I don't, and I have said to them, if you're playing because I'm watching, you're not playing for the right reason. Yeah. Like that's, that should not be your goal. You know, sometimes I'm watching, sometimes I'm not. That's, yeah.
0: Yeah, with my daughter's horseback riding lessons, it's only like half an hour once a week because it's a very expensive sport, right? But it's yes, like,
1: I got that one. I got that sport in my life too. So. Yeah.
0: Sometimes I'm there and sometimes I go for a run and yeah. I want her to just do it, do it for her. But so, so yeah. Okay. So I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. Is called Understood Explains. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Create some boundaries around these sports. Create some boundaries for the sake of your kids, for the sake of you, for everyone to be happier. Don't let it intrude into like overwhelm your whole life. It's it's not worth that,
1: basically. No, it, it really isn't. And and kids can, you know, love something and be passionate about it and be great at it. And maybe, you know, do it at whatever high level that they want to, not that you do, without your doing more than helping them sort of do the things they want to do.
0: Yeah. 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 Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful Parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. So you have four kids. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I definitely want to speak to you about siblings and things like that. And I want to speak to you about discipline. But I'm curious about like what was it like? You're obviously passionate enough about parenting to write this wonderful book. I love the book. How were you raised? Did you have siblings? How how did your parents parent you?
1: I did not have siblings. I'm, a, I'm an only child. I grew up in a really loving two-parent household. Both my parents worked. They took me everywhere, which is the advantage to having just one child. So you know, and I watched them, they were, they were, I mean, it was the 70s, the 80s, they were working hard, they were advancing in their careers, I, you know, we went from sort of not having very much money to to having a nice lifestyle, and I was there for all of that, watch my dad lose jobs and get jobs, and, and just sort of, I don't know, I felt like a, an interest, I was a part of their adult life, and yet I also had, you know, my own, my own thing, I mean, I liked doing theater and plays, and and certainly they came when I was in things, but they didn't, they didn't come to, rehears- yeah, I just, things were just different. I mean, you had to get your own rides, places and stuff. It was, mm-hmm. you know, they, people parented differently back then. I remember they both liked to play tennis. And so as a child, and especially as an only child with nobody to play with, I spent a lot of time, like, you know, sitting very bored in indoor tennis facilities. I remember what the curtains were like that separated the, the. <laughs> Courts. That's what I still don't like tennis. The courts. You know, I remember sort of having the balls roll out and shoving them back under the little curtain, and sort of what it smelled like back there. It was. It's not a bad memory. It's just that's you know I remember the park in the summer where they played, mm-hmm. and I would go and be the old wander around the park by myself.
0: So. Was it hard when you started having, you know, four kids obviously there, when the siblings started to interact with each other in the natural way that siblings do fighting, what like it's like average once an hour or something like that, the siblings fight, was that, were you like, oh my gosh, is this okay? Is this normal?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I did find it, and I still do. Like I still probably overreact. It took me a lot of learning to learn to step back from that, and I've sometimes thought that's because I didn't have siblings myself. But I've talked to other parents, and I think it's just hard to watch your kids be cruel to each other. And I've finally gotten to a point where I can, I can let the basic stuff. You know, like you just they just come in, and it's it's like, you know, they come right in with, you know, why are you wearing that? why are you eating? <laughs> they just, you know, they sort of walk in from after school and turn on whoever's there and just, Wah! and you're just like, why are you approaching your sibling in that way? But I don't know because they do. And if I leave them alone, they stop. And if I get involved, they don't stop. So. So, I've just summed up my advice for yeah. older siblings. My advice for people with younger siblings is a little different. But.
0: So with with older siblings is kind of step out of the way, take the audience away.
1: Yeah. Either you take the audience away or you take them away. Like it's it's all of them. All, you know, all of you stop it. Both of you stop it. Both of you, you know, my kids share rooms, so we can't necessarily split them up by sending them their rooms. But, you know, you go and go in that room and you go. So, but it has to be, it has to be equal because I find so often that, you know, it feels like, you know, what's wrong. Like, you know, whose fault it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, if you're standing in the kitchen and one of your children is sort of innocently in your mind sitting there eating potato chips and watching a movie on their iPhone and the other one walks in and says, why are you eating that? That movie's stupid too. You, you're like, turn on the one that just did that, right? Yeah. What yeah. you don't know yeah. is, you know, what happened 10 minutes ago or, or you know, just.
0: Yeah, or at you the bus stop.
1: Really, yeah, you never really know what's
0: going on. So with oh, older siblings, try, try to like step out of that judgment role, step yeah. out Absolutely. of that judgment role. And, yeah. and that's They're kind of a relieving advice, her. actually. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of chill out, take a back seat a little bit. Yeah, the greatest that
1: I did, I've talked to a ton of people for writing that chapter because God knows I do not feel like an expert <laughs> in sibling rivalry. And the, one of the best things that was said to me was just, you know, the time to intervene is either never or when they start annoying you. Mm-hmm. like not not the fact not that you're upset that the way they're treating each other if they're annoying you then it's you know cut it out or okay fine nobody gets to watch tv or whatever it is but it's mm-hmm. not it shouldn't be about their exchange so much as it's about
0: about protecting about you, you know, yeah, yeah protecting yeah. your needs and and what what's going on for you. yeah exactly so then if that but when if, they're little you when don't start little. that
1: way yeah <laughs> i mean when they're little you have to teach them I mean, you you want to teach them to, you know, to work out their differences in ways that aren't physical, and and it's going to be physical more often than you want. And everybody, I I've talked to a lot of people who are surprised by just how much shoving and nipping and <laughs> kicking and uh, the phrase "Don't stop licking your brother." I don't <laughs> know why we have to say that as often as we do in our house. <laughs> yeah. So when they're little, it's much more about trying to get them to work it out and, and give them tools to talk to each other differently or to understand each other or to listen to each other. But then when they're older, you know, it's, they, they may not use those. You just sort of have to know, well, they've got them. And if it gets really bad, presumably they'll resort to yeah,
0: yeah. working yeah. I, I find myself out. like, uh, I found myself translating a lot. What your sister's trying to say yes. to you is this. right? And what she said is this. This is what she's saying. I'm, I'm translating the unskillful language into here's some skillful language. This is right. can, like, hear it, right? And then right. kind of being. Yeah. I mean, community. it's like,
1: you know, I think your sister's upset that you're playing with her friend without her or, or whatever. You know, is there any way you guys could include her? And if not, Maybe, you know, could you include her later or could you do something later, you know, or or could you explain why? You know, I don't know. That's not the best example because it's sort of taking sides, which you don't mm-hmm. want to do. But yeah, it's very much, I think that Beth would like to play with her friend by herself, but I'm getting that you would like to play with them. And how can we work this out? I
0: mean, it's Acknowledging yeah. that problem yep. in a skillful way. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we we talk about in mindful parenting. So so this is like, this leads us really beautifully into, is sort of, we're kind of galloping around your book, I guess, like <laughs> into, into discipline. And I, I was very happy to read the discipline chapter because you started off really wonderfully. You, you started off talking about what, how, you know, over a thousand people responded to this survey saying that they, people hate enforcing rules. They don't want to, you know, I hate punishing my child, even if I know it's for their own good. And this, and it's this idea that we don't question this idea that we have to sort of punish our children, right? Like that seems to be the given, but you push back against that given by talking to Dr. Kenneth Ginsburg. So let us know what he said, because I love this so much. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting. I don't know that I would have had a discipline chapter. It wasn't really on my radar as an individual topic. I mean, to me, it fits, I mean, discipline is an interesting word because like you said, it can be punishing or it can be, I mean, it's, it's teaching and it's also, it's a noun, right? Like we need to have discipline. We have to learn discipline as adults. We need to discipline ourselves, not to yell at our children often. So we're, you know, our toughest moments are when we're disciplining ourselves to discipline them in an appropriate manner. So I, I don't know that I would have put it in. I just sort of thought it came with chores and and with everything else, but everybody just, it was such a consistent response. I hate enforcing the rules. I hate making my kids do chores. I hate making my kids, you know, do this. I hate, yeah, it was, it was this, I hate making, I hate forcing, I hate insisting, I hate punishing. So yeah, I I sort of reached out to Ken, who's this lovely expert and has a couple of books on his own and just a really special guy. And I sort of expected him, he's usually very sympathetic. He's usually like, oh yeah, that really is tough. And this time he was like, Oh no no! Discipline's not hard because discipline's what you're doing all the time. And I was like, oh no, that didn't make me feel better. <laughs> no, discipline is teaching. I mean, you you think the stuff that we are thinking of as discipline—the punishing, the you know, the grounding—the moment when your kid has spent three hundred and thirty-three dollars on in-app purchases on iTunes—that's the tip of the iceberg. Is it the all the other stuff where you're teaching them and you know, talking to them about? why you make the choices you make and, and what you want them to do and, and the sort of affirmative how to resist the inept purchases and how to moderate your internet time. If that's what you're talking about, just all of that. He said, that's all discipline. So you can't think of it as just having the chores and setting them up and teaching them to do it. That's all discipline. The moment when you have to punish them for not doing that, if that's you know, the way that you've gone in your, your house that's just like the tip of the discipline iceberg. So he said, you sort of have to think of it as like this, I'm I'm gesturing, which doesn't help people who are listening to us. (laughs) You have to think of it as this continuum of teaching and explaining and then stepping back to see how they do on their own and then coming back and teaching and explaining again. Um, And when you think of it that way, even the moment when you sort of have to, to enforce the consequence or maybe you have to raise your voice because this is an appropriate moment to Mm -hmm. show your kid that they have upset you or disappointed you. It doesn't feel as bad when you think of it as sort of all part and parcel of the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That root of the word disciple, uh, uh, someone who's learning to, or discipline us is to, is that teaching. So it's, it's all part of that. So in, in those tough moments, we we're teaching things still in right. that moment. It's a continuum of, of that teaching. So, and you talk about like how we're modeling personal responsibility and guiding our kids towards self-control. And you talk about beautifully about self-discipline, right? And trying to to get ourselves to that place where we're we're modeling the schoolful yes. response or good response. So the it's thing so about
1: discipline is it doesn't happen when you're like, that. you know, your kid doesn't typically screw up when you've just stepped out of a, an hour-long yoga <laughs> Unfortunately. and you're feeling <laughs> warm and, and, you know, patient and, <laughs> and everything in your day has been going well because, of course, they often are feeding off of us. And, and so, no, the moments when you're called upon to do these hardest decision things, the times when the worst thing has happened or, or you know, you've made it, those are invariably at the end of like some long, horrific day of, of other, yeah. It's really hard not to react rather than respond, not to sort of, you know, go straight to, often a lot of us were raised in sort of more of an authoritarian, a my way or the highway kind of household. And even if you weren't necessarily, that was kind of the response when we were kids. So typically the idea back then was like, parents thought they knew what to do. And the thing was, if Hunter screws up, I punish Hunter, and then she doesn't screw up again. And that was pretty much the end of it. Like, that's what they were expected to do. And they typically did it. So it's really easy to fall back on that when you're feeling stressed. And that's, it's just sort of the, the go to rather than whatever might be more appropriate, whether it's, okay, I'm really angry at you right now. You head for your room, and I'm heading for mine. It's not like I'm sending you to your room. It's like we're we're splitting up for a minute while I mm-hmm. think about what we do next because this is really bad. Which mm-hmm. is way different than you know, go to your room and wait for me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe how some of us experience. I think you know the same kinds of moments.
0: You um, just gave me a sorry. flashback. <laughs>
1: Like my heart's pounding. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But, and it's, it's funny because it's the same, like you're sort of asking the child to do the same thing, but the, the message is just different there. It's what you have done is very, very serious, whatever it is. Mm. And so serious that I can't even react to you without going and thinking about what the right thing to do is also because I'm really angry. And You know, and that's also a great demonstration. You know, I'm really angry, and so instead of doing the thing that that immediately springs to mind, whether it's physical or yelling or anything else. I'm going to go over here. And <laughs> you're going to go over there. Like mm-hmm. That's that's what you would like them to do for their brothers and sisters, right? So you're setting that example for
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. You're modeling in every moment. And that's a really intense, natural consequence, really, of something like if, if a child has done something really intense, if my parent had to say, I am so angry right now that I need to take a break from you and like, go for a walk or go breathe or whatever, and we will come back and talk about this later. Yeah. That's sinking in. like It's it not like there's a, you know. And it doesn't I mean,
1: feel like it, but our kids care what yes. we think. They want mm-hmm. to please us. They're sort of naturally inclined to want to please us, even as much as they act as though they're not. Like When we are that upset, no matter how cool they are acting, they are bothered. And if they're little, they're really bothered. So, you know, honestly, sometimes when they're little, what you have to do is go giggle. You're like, this is really serious what you have done with my lipstick on that toilet. <laughs> and I have to, I'm i gonna go think of it. Because I just <laughs> have to go laugh. So those are the good moments. But yeah, the, then when you get to the big ones, the, it's the same, it's the same, the same deal. And then the other thing Dr. Ginsburg said that really sort of made me feel bad about even some of the real doozies, some of which I've already paced as a parent, some of which I have not yet, is look, you really want them to screw up on your watch. You know, if they're gonna, if they're gonna, I'll just give you an easier one, if they're gonna stay up all night and fail a test because they played Fortnite until three o'clock in the morning, you want them to do that, well, ideally in middle school, but even in high school before college, right? Honestly, if they're gonna drunk drive and get caught, you want to, to to do it while they live with you, and you mm-hmm. can take away their car, and you can you know to and you can do all the things that you have to do at that point to get them to have a more serious and appropriate relationship with alcohol and driving and whatever else is going on. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to wait till they're college or adults when you can't. You don't even have a shot at protect you know helping you know, you and, don't have and any protecting anyone. them. So yeah. so as hard as it is. One reaction at that moment is is gratitude that you get a chance to help them learn to handle it. Mm, I'm not saying all. I would have that reaction, but you know, I'll try like to around tuck her. that away. Um.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
1: Margaret,
0: I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct.
2: Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs>
0: And almost 10 million downloads later,
2: we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with
3: stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing
2: in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: I love that, though. No, that's a really profound message, though. You really want them to script on your own watch. I mean, that makes me think of, it's similar, obviously, nowhere, but my daughter's in a Montessori school at 11. And so she's in a class with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And what I think is so brilliant about what they do is that in that class, they give them a planner and they say, this is all the work you need to do for this week. And this is a planner and this is how we do this. But they basically let them figure it out and fail and mess up and work through that whole process of organizing their own time when they're fourth, fifth and sixth graders, which is like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Like this is something we need to do and mess up at in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, not when we're 18 and we're like, we have to get to chem one oh two at you know University oh, yeah. of Delaware, right? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. But you really want them to script on your own watch. I think that's really helpful. And and you you also said Dr. Ginsward mentioned that, you know, we need it's not like this idea of our expectations, right? That like we tend to, he said that it's not if our child would do something that's over the top and infuriating, it's when. So we need to expect that it's when. And you also talk about how generally our expectations are too high. Like we think like, and I see this with parents of little kids. We think like, okay, you know how to get yourself dressed now. You'll do it forever and ever and ever on your own, forever, right. forever more. Now, yeah, you know, like
1: backtrack or whatever. <laughs> I, I what, what cracks me up, and I, I do this. I, I see it in myself is that. How long did it take me to learn that if, the like, say, the, the person checking me out at the grocery store is really, really nasty, for me to be nasty in return only adds to her unhappiness and mine. Like, only leaving leaves me walking out that door feeling horrible. I would say I was at least in my late 30s, (laughs) by the time I sorted that one out, right? And yet, you know, we think our kids should get that, well, yeah, I know, but maybe your friend was having a bad day, and, you know, you don't need to yell back at your brother or whatever. It's just like, no, no. I mean, some things, we can say it and say it and say it and say it, and and they are hearing us. They're just not either capable of doing it, or they're just not doing it yet, right? I mean, different life stages too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and we need to expect the repetition. And I love that you have another former podcast guest, Joanna Faber, in your book. Uh, yes. who wrote How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, which I can't remember what episode number that is, dear listener, but you can find it. It's just wonderful. It's a wonderful interview. They but were great. the talking about you know, like if you know you're gonna repeat yourself a bazillion times on this anyway, you might as well be repeating something that's skillful that they can yes. learn. So rather yes. than, you know, don't- you Don't know, pull don't the cast like yeah, Just yeah. like, be gentle with the, you right. know, or whatever it is, like putting that, that language in the positive, right? That's beautiful. I love the reminder that yes, we are just gonna have to repeat ourselves a lot. Yes,
1: and that's the thing about chores too to just you know leap it Mm willy-nilly into yet another chapter is that the helpful advice that I got around chores, and this was really all from parents who who felt, you know, who had kids who did chores, which I think is lovely. He said, look, there's there's two things here. There's whatever the chore is. You want the child to empty the dishwasher, right? And also you want them to like do it without being reminded and with a pleasant attitude. And (laughs) to a person, the person on the other end of that conversation is like, yeah, forget the second one. Like, just, just let that go. You're going to have to remind them 250 times and then they don't have to like it. They just have to do it. Like, you know, just don't, and don't expect them to do it without being reminded. Not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Not. Mm-hmm. So remind them, remind them in 56 ways and just let that piece of it go. That's not like, that's not your goal.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. And
1: that actually really changed my relationship and my husband's relationship with you know, getting our kids to, to do chores, just releasing the feeling that we had failed if they weren't remembering to do it on their own.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, you know, not, it's, that's it's not, it. not a reflection on us if they're not remembering to do it. They're just human kids. That they don't want to do it. I don't want to do wanna it. Do it. it. Honestly, yeah. I mean,
1: that's, you know, if, if I thought that if I didn't empty the dishwasher, eventually someone else would come along and do it for me. <laughs> That may be why our Christmas tree is still up. <laughs> I, I may be sort of thinking that somehow that's going to happen for me.
0: Don't believe yeah. them when they promise to feed the cat without uh, them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They won't. But the chores are still an important thing too. Like this is, you know, it matters, it, it matters a lot. Like it matters to People's success in life, and a lot of it, really makes a big difference. What did tell us more about what you learned about chores? We're going to give up thinking about a yeah. pleasant attitude. We're going to give yeah. up.
1: No, we just want them to do it. And yeah, there's a little bit of research out there that suggests that kids who do chores, especially if they start at a young age, you know, they're just sort of they're generally more successful in a, a lot of ways at school, in relationships, in later life, in early jobs. But we don't need that research. <laughs> like really we don't cuz you know you know that when your kid has another kid over for dinner and that kid gets up and clears their plate that's much better than the kid who just sort of leaves their plate behind and walks away i mean that's mm-hmm. we you don't want to raise the one that just you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you don't want to you don't want to raise the kid who thinks that the dishes just waft their way into the dishwasher or who's never cleaned a bathroom or who doesn't know how to do those. You're raising the worst college roommate ever. (laughs) If you're, you know, not, not doing some of that stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's important for kids to learn to do this stuff. It's important for them to learn that making a house and a life work requires that you do some things that you don't want to do, which, you know, can involve the dishes or the bed or the laundry or, or whatever, it's just, we all do it. And it's also, I mean, this sort of comes full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning with the sports and activities. I think that what happens when we don't give our kids any form of chores, when we don't expect them to help us with the very complicated work of having a household and feeding people and keeping things you know, you know, know, clean and under control, everything begins to feel lopsided. Like it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right that you should think of what's for dinner and shop for what's for dinner and You know work to earn the money for what's for dinner and then cook what's for dinner And then at the end of it clean up after what's for dinner and put all the dishes back And then you sort of get up the next morning and do it again when you find yourself in that position it doesn't feel happy. It feels yeah, wrong. A, and a recipe
0: for resentment.
1: It is. It really is. And I think sometimes we don't even realize. And, and that's not saying don't ever cut your kid any slack or you know don't ever do anything for your kid. It's just, just saying expect them to be a contributing part of your household. And honestly, you'll both be happier because it doesn't really feel good to be the person who's not contributing either
0: hmm yeah 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 it helps them and it helps you so we will we will repeat ourselves and yeah. we'll insist and yes and get yeah. this and it's part of just it's part of that di- discipline like if discipline is teaching we're teaching them how to be adults right you know and you're hopefully teaching them that
1: self-discipline that they will do these things themselves when they get older again I mean you know how long was it before i figured out that i really was happier if i did the dinner dishes right after dinner as opposed to waiting until the next morning you know when i'm a single person i don't know but i probably didn't do
0: it right away yeah yeah
1: i know yeah, i don't
0: I, we think we just say it
1: once and then they should know because we've learned that it's the right thing to do but that's not the way it works
0: that's not the way anyone learns we t- Even we, as it just we takes us speak-
1: yeah, there are like six soda cans, I realized, in one of my children, the drawer. One, so three of my children share a bathroom, and one of them has a bathroom that she uses on her own. And this has to do with who's having to share rooms, and it's like a complicated equation of fairness. But it's considered fair in our house. And I went into her bathroom the other day, and there were three empty soda cans in a drawer in the bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, like like seltzer cans, I guess. Or I was just like... They must have been seltzer, or I would have been freaked out about ants. But still, she's not saving them. It's not like that's her recycling drawer either. There's also like you know a ratty tube of toothpaste. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I'm not looking at this
0: parent. So we have all these things. We have these, these are our responsibilities, right? These helping our kids, teaching them to do chores, insisting that they do chores, teaching them through those tough moments and all of those things. And these are the, these things that help us, help it make it us happier as parents. But you also mentioned some of the things that are kind of, you know, I, I like your mantras. You know, one of them that I really appreciate was soak up the good, right? And this idea that, you know, our, our brains are sort of wired to see the negative and see the problems. And I like that you invite us to lean into the things that are good and try to yeah. mark them and remember them.
1: That is truly life-changing. I mean, when you, our minds are they're designed to watch for the bad stuff, for starters. And also, lots of us, and I definitely count myself among this, we have this, this magical feeling that if we think of the thing and we worry about it we are somehow preventing it from happening so you know we go down every disastrous road of oh you know my child this math worksheet is a catastrophe she didn't finish everything and that means you know in fourth grade she won't be promoted to the early fifth grade math if you don't get to the fifth grade math you don't do algebra earlier and then you don't do geometry in eighth grade and then you're not in honors math in high school and you never oh get God, KJ stressing me out. <laughs> see yeah I mean but that that is the way that our brains just are naturally wired to work um, there are all these great quotes attributed to a zillion different people that are basically like i have endured a million terrible things none of which ever happened because yeah. we have help right how many mm-hmm. you know how many car crashes has your brain taken you through that you never actually had if you can stop that cycle and start yourself with more of a things are good right now cycle. Like, yeah, this is a bad math worksheet, but, you know, here's my healthy child sitting at our kitchen table under our complete roof after a lovely dinner, you know, in pretty much exactly the life that I'd imagined, where I have the child and the roof and the dinner. This is pretty great. You know, five plus two is still not eight, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Even when those really even when you've got that sort of kid that's just like weeping in your arms because their friend has been truly horrible to them, if you can just take a little breath and go, you know, this child that I love has come to me in this moment mm-hmm. when they're unhappy. It's okay to feel happy about that even while you're sort of holding the the unhappy child. I mean, this is this is meant to be the The meat of our lives. This is this is the sort of it's a very dense time. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of people who need us right now, and that is both really really hard and really lovely. And soak up the good is just an invitation to take your brain and remind it, remember that this is also really really lovely.
0: So how do you do that for yourself, KJ? Like how do you remember to? appreciate and how do you stay grounded balancing writing and Mm -hmm. parenting and traveling for your hockey game your kids hockey games
1: well i really have learned well so that's that's a bunch of questions so when it comes to soaking in the good i really have made a point of trying and I, i don't know that i i sort of set specific moments although um well you know what i did i i had a bracelet and I still have it, it says an ordinary day because you know how that is. You get that phone call after which nothing will ever be the same and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had that phone call and we'll all have it again, whether it's a kid that's broken her leg or a relative that you've suddenly and unexpectedly lost. You get that phone call and all you want back is that moment 10 minutes ago when you were frantic about what was for dinner and your kids were having a fight in the backseat. That was good. And so I have a bracelet that says... Ordinary day, and that's you know when I look at it, it's a reminder. Mm. Reflect mm. on this this moment that you're going to wish you had back when, you know, when things are, are not so great and ordinary. And yeah,
0: yeah, Thich Nhat Han, the Zen teacher, he says to appreciate your lack of toothache, you know, yes, to, to recognize that. Uh, that there are all these things working for you right now that we're not. And I
1: have put up post-its and I have set phone reminders and I have done a bunch of things sort of over the years to, to remind myself to take those little breaths. One that I don't recommend is that iPhone app that tells you, remember you're going to die every every oh my six times a day. I tried that and I was like, this is not making me so kind of good. <laughs> and it keeps doing it right before I get on planes. And I don't like oh, no. well, I don't recommend that one, but it works for some people. Okay. Um, you can just search it. iPhone app that tells you you're going to die. It's out there. <laughs> so I've set a variety of, I like post-it notes. Those are a great way to do it. And at this point, it just kind of comes naturally to me to, to look at the suns. But that's a huge change for me. I was not, I did not, embark and if I'd embarked into this book as a happier parent I probably wouldn't have written I would have written a different book this is the book I needed to wow. sort of help me to find the joy in the family life that I really I mean I, I wanted but I wasn't having very much fun with yeah. um, and then as far as hockey trips go I, I enjoy those by finding things I want to do on them so I, we were just in Rhode Island and there's a there's a Korean fried chicken restaurant in Rhode Island that's like the best Korean fried chicken ever in the history of the world. All week long, all I could think about was it's called Denden Den Chicken. Oh, I'm one wow, up. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And all like all all week long, I was like, and while I'm in Providence, at some point, I'm gonna. F- flake off from this hockey tournament and get myself some chicken (laughs) (laughs) and yarn stores and bookstores and chocolate stores. And I can tell you all kinds of of small, fascinating little places to go in a zillion hockey towns across New England because and my kids know that that's what they're in for.
0: So you take care of your needs. So part of of what, you know, you're saying I'm helping you out, but I've got Mm -hmm. some, you've got my own life. I've got my own needs and I'm going to take care of my needs too.
1: Yeah, if we're going on a road trip, I get to control the radio and, um, you know, I get to choose a lot of the destinations. We can go to Buffalo Wild Wings with your team some of the time, but some of the time you're going to do this with me. And it depends on the kids. Some of my kids really, you know, thrive. They really want to go where they want to go try the new place. They want to go do, do those things. And then, you know, other times, and it, sometimes it's the same kid, just different times, they want to go with the team. And sometimes I just throw them in with another parent.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, go do something else for a little while.
0: And do you have any kind of regular practices in your life, in your daily life at home that help you kind of stay sane and and grounded and appreciating the good stuff?
1: I mean, besides your post-it notes. (laughs) Yeah, besides my post-it notes and my bracelet, which I do still wear. I did have a meditation practice for a while. I'm not doing it right now. Right now, I've been doing the 30 days of yoga with Adrian. I don't great.
0: know if you know. Oh, no, I've, I have heard about Adrienne. Okay, Adrienne yeah. is
1: great. Mm-hmm. And she does a free 30 days of yoga at the beginning of every year. And last year I didn't make it, but this year I'm on day 21, I think. And I and so I, I'm hopefully going to make the whole 30. And then I'm hoping to make that a regular practice because it's got a very meditative aspect
0: to it. Yeah, um, yeah. moving meditation. Good for you. Good for you. Awesome. Wow. So we we didn't get to screens, so maybe maybe another time. <laughs> screens are really hard. That's they're that's they're they're that's a tough that. one. We'll- really
1: hard, but it's gonna be okay. That's <laughs>
0: Buy, <laughs> buy your wonderful book. To actually, I, th- I feel like you know it's interesting because uh, as a podcaster, I get lots of books sent to me, and I, I've seen lots of whole books on Screen Time that are are helpful. But I think that your chapter is is very helpful. So go go buy KJ's book about how to be happier. So you were not so happy, and these these tips and these mantras they brought you around to the other side. You're feeling yeah, more content, appreciating definitely. the mama life
1: much much more. I mean, I will say, my kids also got older. That helps. Yeah,
0: that are helps we, a lot. Are
1: we kidding? Or it can. I mean, sometimes I talk to people who say that you know they're not enjoying their their time with their teenagers. And this is a book that's really geared towards parents of kids from like four to sixteen. So mm-hmm. you know, it's that that middle of your your family life. Yeah, but definitely, definitely, I did end up happier. I don't think it's just that they're older or just that, Mm -hmm. you know, other circumstances have changed. I think I'm just just sort of genuinely going to own it. I'm actually more able to be happy even when things aren't great
0: awesome awesome yeah uh, yeah It helps to figure some stuff out you feel like whoosh and then that helped that ruminating mind too you're like oh, okay yes, the ruminating mind you know mind. i still don't happens. have to figure everything out i don't have yeah. to jump in with these siblings and you just you're done you know all that stuff so this has been so much fun kj i i really enjoyed talking to you i really enjoyed how to be a happier parent i think it's wonderful i think it's A great contribution to thank you. You know what you've done is a great contribution to our conversation, to helping people stay grounded when you know the whole world feels turns upside down. There's so much pressure on us. What you're doing is really taking off a lot of that pressure, and I think that's a real that's a real gift to be able to do that. So so thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, that is the hope. You know, we we've got the cards that we've been dealt. It'd be nice to change some things about society and culture and the way we approach parenting. But meanwhile, let's let's do right by ourselves so that we can also do right by others.
0: Awesome. So if people want to reach out and talk to you about the book, where can they find you?
1: Kjdelantonia.com is the easiest way. I've got I've got an email. It's not weekly. It says it's weekly if you sign up for it. It's really not. Sometimes it's <laughs> monthly. It's sporadic. <laughs> But if you're on that list and you reply to it, you always get me directly. And I am on social media in a variety of ways, although um, in pretty light ways, because I'm, I'm using my social media a little more mindfully at the moment.
0: Good for you. Good for you. Well, yeah, this, is, this has been a, a pleasure. I really enjoyed too. it. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't you love KJ? I love her. She says discipline is about teaching. Obviously, I really resonate with that. And it's really, you know, this is this message about chores is coming in from a lot of places. And KJ says it so well. So you should definitely check out her book. It's wonderful. And if you want more resources right now, you can join the Mindful Parenting free training course. Join thousands of other Mamas at and Papas, you can join too at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And speaking of Papas, when you join the full Mindful Parenting course, getting all the support with coaching calls that you can join for years afterwards, your partner can join for free too. And so we have had moms and dads together on the coaching call, which is super fun. I love that. And that is opening for registration. Registration will just be open for seven days, so hop on it! It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com. It's a really pretty life changing course. It's going to change everything, I promise. So if you put your put what you can put into it, you will get that out. So that's at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Check it out. Then that's it. I guess that's all I need to say to you. It's been such a pleasure. To share this time. Thank you for putting me in your ears. And I really appreciate this connection we have. And I can't wait to connect with you again here on the Mindful Mama podcast. And feel free to reach out. I love, love, love getting emails. Hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. And uh, the, I love when you share, uh, you know, all those things just make me feel amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Part of this growing tribe. The Mindful Mama tribe is growing and growing. So it's all part due to you. And I um, really appreciate that. I'm glad we get to connect. Wishing you a beautiful week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy. And there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful Parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react and it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child you can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you how your brain undermines your parenting and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there.
3: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why?